You're listening to DraftKings Network. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We are presented, as always, by DraftKings. Our producer is Jack Connell. Our musical producer, my son, Boy Blue Tunes, Sam Brandt, with the tunes that you hear under us. Check them out on Spotify. Hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, It's been a long week for me. I was out in L.A. speaking at a conference at UCLA, which also featured a student competition So I had four of my students out there participating in that competition between law school and business school students. And after the final competition at Poly Pavilion on the stage there, my guys won. So quick shout out as we start to my students, all second year law students that won that event. Alyssa Rodarte, Nick Pilney, Zach Slogoff, and Jonathan Passero. So congrats to those guys winning that. Obviously, a tough week in the news. Um, You know, what's going on in the Middle East? Let me just say this right away. I'm Jewish. I stand with Israel. I think it's important to state that and to be on that side. I know there are a lot of people saying it's not important to take sides. I think it is in this. I haven't really done this on social media because I understand how divisive people can be there. It's not worth it. I understand that. I I have a very low level of fame, but even that brings out some of the negativity that I don't want to see there. I try to use social media and Twitter as informational pieces, both where I can impart insight and wisdom to people and I can gain it from others. I don't get tucked into or pulled into the, the cat fights there. And even when people come at me, and yes, <laughs> as tepid as I am, people do come at me. I just kind of ignore that. Uh, life's too short, you know, to pay attention, to spend a lot of time on that is ridiculous. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this issue on there. I'm just not going to do that. But I will say it here to my audience here, of course. I mean, this is something where Jewish people like myself stand up and say, yes, I stand with Israel. I stand united. And it's unfortunate that this dispute has gone on and it's become bloody and terroristic and it's become civilian heavy in terms of casualties on both sides. It's just so unfortunate, not a lot to say, but I just wanted to make that clear um, as we go forward. A lot of issues in the business of sports from all sports I'm going to get into today. And I'll start, as I always do, usually with the sport I'm most familiar with and many of you come to hear my insights about. And that is the NFL. It happened last Saturday, ironically. Usually NFL business doesn't happen on Saturdays, but it did. The finalization of an extension for Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. This surprised me as it did everyone. Surprise, surprise. We have a top of market extension for a running back of all positions. We went through the summer diaspora for running backs where Austin Eckler and Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott, and Saquon Barkley, and Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. No one got a deal. 
No one got a deal. When I say a deal, I mean more than just one year franchise tag or more than just one year like Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott. Real deals. More than just incentives like Saquon got or Austin Eckler got. Real deals. No one got it. So now Jonathan Taylor does, and he's a curious one because, as we remember, he reported to Colts camp. He also made noise about the the devaluation of the running backs and the fact they don't get paid. And maybe he felt like, hey, it's my time right now because going to the last year of the contract, once I get to my fifth year, they'll franchise tag me. They'll year to year me like they're doing to Saquon and Jacobs, and I'll never get that big deal. So he made some noise, and lo and behold, in a, what seemed like a punitive measure, they put him on PUP, physically under, unable to form, and he's out for three games. Now he's back, and guess what? He's got a new contract. So the media reports are always going to favor the player because it's coming from the agent. It said $42 million over three years, which is a $14 million average, which puts him right in that crosshairs behind uh, McCaffrey. Alvin Kamara's got $15 million, but that's a backed-loaded deal, so that's not a real number. So it puts him right up there. But of course, you know, you come to me and others, hopefully, to find out the real deal. Again, extensions are hard to value because agents are always going to value them on new money only, but you have to factor in the existing money. He had $4 million left on this year. So what it really means is a four-year deal. Instead of a three-year deal for 42, it's a four-year deal for 46, which is an average of a little over 11. But then looking deeper, nothing wrong with $11 million average for running back. Fine. Great. Looking a little deeper, it's really a two-year deal because that's the full guarantee. Now, year three has injury guarantees and later guarantees that convert to full if he gets to 2025, but he may not. So what I think the Colts have done is committed for two years at $20.3 million. So basically the franchise tag number this year, 10.1. So they went 10-1 and 10-2, and they pay that, not exactly those numbers year to year, but basically we're talking about $20 million guaranteed, 20.3 over the two years. And then we'll see, like all contracts, you know, we'll see. They become options for the Colts. And it's $13 million in 2025. Is that going to happen? I don't know. You'd have to say the odds are no. The odds are they'll use them up these two years and move on. Now, Jonathan Taylor is 24 years old. He's going to be 25 next year. They bought him at ages 24 and 25 for $20.3 million. I think that's a decent deal. And I've said this all along. Running backs would make a lot more money if they could get paid earlier. But since they're on these long rookie contracts, it's hard to do. So Taylor is being compensated, and youth is a big part of why. 24 years old, 25 years old, $20.3 million over those two years. Will they pay him 20, I'm sorry, 13 million in 2025 when he's 26 years old? We'll see. Check back in two years. But having said all that, it's a good deal. And based on what the running backs have gone through these past six months, oh my God, it's a great deal. He had the advantage of youth over all those guys I mentioned. Over Barkley, even. Barkley's 26, I believe. Over Jacobs, 26. Over Zeke Elliott, way up there in the around 30. Dalvin Cook, way up there around 30. And Austin Eckler, way up there around 30. Those guys are on the downhill. They're not getting deals. They're not. Taylor got a deal. Will he get another one? I think I could put a stake in the ground and say no, he's not. No matter how he plays, he's not getting a deal after this one. 
And the only deal he'll get after this one is a reduced one. But this is not to be negative about Jonathan Taylor. He got a good deal. Getting the franchise tag locked in for two years, hey, good job. Because he would have gotten it next year, probably. And then he would have only made $4 million this year, so he'd be at like 15 16 over two compared to now 20 But he has two remaining years after that. If he blows up, he's a great player. They got him for another $26 million over those two years, which is, I guess will be a good deal. But with running backs, I assume they're all going to be reduced. But kudos to John Taylor, Wisconsin boy, uh, University of Wisconsin, and he got the big deal. Kudos to his agents bucking up against Jim Ursay, one of the most mercurial owners in the league. And thankfully for them, he is. He woke up in a good mood that day, gave him a deal after shunning him back in training camp. So John Taylor gets paid. And when we talk about running backs, making $10 million a year is getting paid. You know, defensive linemen, 28 a year. Quarterbacks, 50 a year. Wide receivers, 25 a year. Offensive line, 28 a year. No, it doesn't happen. Running backs, 10 years, good deal. A good deal. And again, again uh, tight ends get 13 to 14, 15 a year. Um, you just go through any position. But hey, that's where we are with running backs. He got it. Okay. Uh, another, the other issue in football is Deshaun Watson. There's a lot of mystery out there. Last week, he did, you know, I guess maybe two weeks ago, because they were on a bye, uh, he didn't play. There are rumors that he's going to play. It was unclear. He goes out, he warms up, and he doesn't play. And the backup quarterback, Dorian Thompson, said, yeah, I was surprised. Two hours before the game, I found out I was playing. Now we're in this week, two weeks later. Looks like he might not play again, and they're going to start P.J. Walker if he doesn't play, a different quarterback. So a lot of people are asking, what's going on here? How does this happen? And to me, it always gets back to the same issue, which is leverage. Like, what's the leverage? And the leverage is if Deshaun Watson says, I'm not ready to play, he's not going to play. Now, usually you have the other way around. You have the doctor wanting uh, to, to sit out the player and the player wanting to play. That's default setting with most players. They want to play. Deshaun Watson, it seems, doesn't want to play. He wants to rest his shoulder, get it better, whatever's wrong, take his time. And according to reports, the team wants him to play. So, this is the reverse osmosis of what usually goes on with players wanting to play or not wanting to play or however it is. Deshaun Watson deciding not want to play. So let's again say this. Leverage. Leverage. Deshaun Watson is not your average player. He's got the best contract in the history of the league. I've been through that many times. He's the most important player on the Browns. He's the highest paid player on the Browns. He is the most powerful player on the Browns. Again, despite everything that happened before. If he decides he's not going to play, he's not going to play. If it was an average player, he'd play. And he'd maybe face discipline if he didn't. If it was a down-the-line player, he'd play. No matter what he said compared to the medical staff, he'd be in there. And if he didn't, there'd be consequences. Whether discipline or if he's low down the roster, he'd be gone. He'd be gone. Cut. Released. So this, again, everything sort of gets back to follow the money, follow the business of sports, and the business of sports dictates here that Deshaun Watson has the leverage. He's going to play. Speaking of quarterbacks making a lot of money, I get a lot of questions about Daniel Jones. 
You know, the the object of derision for New York quarterbacks early in the season seemed to be Zach Wilson after Aaron Rodgers was lost for four after four plays this year. Zach played poorly. He was called garbage by an NBC reporter. Uh, The whole team's trying to figure out what's going on, but he's played better the last couple of weeks. So the ridicule has moved to the other tenant in MetLife Stadium, the Giants, and Daniel Jones. Let me just explain why the Giants paid Daniel Jones. They had to pay him, but they made some miscalculations early on. After year three, teams have a right to exercise a fifth-year option on a first-round player. The previous regime did not do that. Um, they did not exercise the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones could have been had for $22 million. I'm sorry, for, yeah, $22 million. If they had just exercised the fifth-year option after what would be the 21 season. So then he plays 22, and then he's a free agent. Now, he has the franchise tag, so he wouldn't have been a free agent. But the Giants... However it happened, let the other top free agent, the other best player on the team, become a free agent at the exact same time. Saquon Barkley coming off a five-year rookie deal where they did exercise the option, drafted a year before Jones. So now you have the two most important players on offense, indeed the two most important players on the team, up for contract renewal at the exact same time, and only one franchise tag. So the tag, after what deliberations they had, negotiation with both players, they decide to put the tag on Barkley. He's locked up. He can't go anywhere. And what do they face? They face Daniel Jones, and he got a very player-friendly, strong contract, 160 over four, but the important part is $82 million over this year and next year, which is guaranteed rock solid. He's going to make 82 over two, 41 a year, which puts him, you know, especially with a small, uh, uh, I'm sorry, short deal compared to these long seven-year deals like Herbert and Burrow and Mahomes at 12 years and Josh Allen at nine years. It's a strong deal. Any way you look at it. I always prefer strong, uh, shorter deals for quarterbacks because they're always going to get paid. And that's my point here. If Daniel Jones was let out into the market, you can say what you want about Daryl Daniel Jones, but he would have made that. He would have made that. The most scarce asset in football is a free agent quarterback with some productivity and at a young age. You don't get them. Why does Kirk Cousins have one of the best contracts in sports? Free agency. Why did Deshaun Watson have the best contract in the NFL? Because the Texans didn't want him and it mimicked free agency. That's how it happens. You have multiple bidders. You bid up the number. That would have happened for Jones. And maybe it did happen The Giants were aware of it, and they had to pay what the market was going to bear. So this is what happened. So when people say, well, how does Daniel Jones get paid that? What was their choice? And people would say, well, they could have gone with a stopgap and drafts. I mean, what? Start over? You know, the Giants would have been going with Andy Dalton or Tyrod Taylor, who's there now, or pick a name, Gardner Minshew. These are the names that are available every year. That's who are the free agent quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota. They're not getting anyone. So if you get a Daniel Jones on the market, yeah, he's going to get paid. So the Giants recognized that and paid him. And yes, they're stuck, if you want to say it that way, for two years at $82 million. That's a huge number. But what are they going to do? What were they going to do? They really, people wanted him to go with a 
an Andy Dalton type and draft someone and start over? No. I don't I don't fault the Giants for paying Daniel Jones. I fault the Giants for planning. Whether it was past administration or future, they could have addressed this way before February, March of last year, where you had Barkley and Jones coming up the exact same time. Get one done. Get one done. So you have the tag for the other one. Get one done in the season of 2022 or training camp 2022. So it didn't happen, and that's why they paid Daniel Jones. Okay, let's move to a couple other things. Uh, let's move to UFC, right? <laughs> Ultimate Fighting Championship, because I saw this news today. I wanted to talk about it. It's a little complicated, but let me explain. Back in 2015, USADA, U.S. Anti-Doping Association, enters into this agreement with UFC, and they're going to do all their testing and regulating and procedural testing on drugs. So the UFC is known as a safe sport, an integrity sport, sport that has clean. It's not going to have illicit drugs, it's not going to have steroids, PEDs. It's going to be out because USADA is the gold standard of testing on drugs. Well, here's what happens. And recently, Conor McGregor coming off a leg injury wants to get back in. So he's got to get back into what's called the testing pool. If you're coming back into UFC, you get in the testing pool and you can't fight for six months. It's a requirement. Six months and some negative tests. Well, <laughs> here's what happens. Lo and behold, soon after we hear that, the UFC, according to USADA, has ended its relationship, its partnership with USADA. So as of January 1, 2024, there is no relationship between UFC and US anti-doping, which means that the six-month ban on fighting has no merit. So Conor McGregor, lo and behold, can fight before, say, March, if they want him to. It's pretty clear the relationship between USADA and UFC is falling apart due to the box office of Conor McGregor. They don't want him sitting around for six months. They don't want him having to take drug tests. And the UFC boss, Dana White, has kind of said that. You know, we'll see when it comes to McGregor. And now we find out what the we'll see means. USADA's out. Even Joe Rogan, UFC commentator, and of course the ultra popular podcast host, is basically saying, hey, they should do it in-house. They don't need USADA. So what all this means, if you combine this with the merger now, Endeavor's merger of WWE with UFC, listen, we're talking about entertainment now and business over integrity. They're going to go for the business, go for the money. And McGregor's box office, a huge sell. And now they're with WWE, which is going to be a little more scripted, I think, than UFC has been. So it's just kind of the connorization of the UFC. And with USADA being kicked out and making this statement today, how they're so frustrated, they can't work with UFC fighters and they need to be more, um, have more integrity and competitive balance and level playing field. They're out. So we see what UFC is really doing here. McGregor, huge, huge face of the, the brand. And they're going with him, you know, because maybe he can't pass a drug test. I'm not saying he can't, but that seems to be a little bit of what's behind this. Okay. Hockey kicked off the other night. 
uh, it was unique because lo and behold, ESPN has a Monday night game. My Packers unfortunately lost to the Raiders in Vegas. And guess where ESPN's broadcasting from the next night? Vegas. The Golden Knights hosting uh, the part three of a triple header on opening night of hockey. That was well done. Whatever coordination between the NFL scheduling, NHL scheduling, and ESPN certainly worked to all advantage. Uh, Connor Bedard is the superstar coming in for the Blackhawks. They won him in the lottery. It's a huge increase all over the place. The ratings for his opening game, the revenue growth for the Blackhawks, and most importantly for hockey, franchise values are up. Uh, Forbes rated all the hockey franchises. The average is now a billion dollars. We had the Senators, Ottawa going for $900 million this year. The uh, Seattle Kraken came in for $600 million a few years ago. They're already up to a billion-dollar valuation. And now we have teams wanting to get in, in expansion. Atlanta, again, uh, Salt Lake and Houston, all making noise about they'd love to be in the NHL. And with expansion prices at at five hundred million for Golden Knights and six hundred million for the Kraken, I would think expansion price will be a billion dollars. So business is good for hockey. Let's say this: hockey is not NFL, NBA, or Major League Baseball. It's not, but it's not any. But there's no one else. So hockey is a firm and solid fourth sport in this country. Don't tell me about MLS. Don't tell me about whatever. Women's whatever. This is hockey. They've got billion-dollar valuations. Um, that's big. That's big. <coughs> okay. Uh, last thing, it just came to my attention about the Pat McAfee show and Aaron. Two people I know. I know Aaron. I know Pat. I've been on Pat's show a few times, uh, and I haven't gotten paid. <laughs> the report is that Aaron's made a million dollars again. We don't know exactly how much. We don't know what per show. But no surprise here, at least in my mind, because, you know, it's appointment viewing for a lot of people, including sometimes, not all the time, me. Uh, I think it's freewheeling media. You don't get that. Certainly players, you don't get unscripted stuff. It's hard to find uh, good stuff from players. It's usually kind of corporate, you know, and, and, and at, and sort of this cliche and all for one, one for all teams, great. And Aaron does some of that too. You know, Aaron does some of that too, is just kind of cliche talk, but Aaron's good. Aaron's thoughtful. No matter how much you disagree with his views, he does express them. And that's box office. Again, that brings in the ratings for McAfee, uh, McAfee has noted, especially with him coming out of the darkness and with the decisions that he's made about coming back or going back to the Packers or going to the Jets, you know, the huge increase in viewership for McAfee. I think Aaron started back in 21 with them when they were, maybe it wasn't a weekly thing, when he was going through the first uh, discontent with the Packers and he ended up, of course, coming back. And then in 22 got the huge deal with the Packers where everyone thought he was going to the Broncos. Broncos went with Russell Wilson, etc. And then in 23, where the long and drawn out wait when he got traded to the Jets. Uh, and then, of course, recently coming on after the injury and doing it from surgery, coming to him from the rehab centers the past couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's worth that to McAfee. It's worth that to ESPN. So McAfee said, yeah, I paid him a million dollars. Now, if it has been, I think, since 21, that's two and a half years. That's that's reasonable. You know, if it's a million dollars over two and a half years, you know, it's like 400000 a year, 350000 a year. That's reasonable, you know? And what's Aaron doing? 25, 30, 40, 40 hits a year at 45 minutes sometimes, 30 minutes? It's reasonable. Completely reasonable. I have no shock, no surprise over Aaron getting paid a million dollars over these, whatever it's been, two and a half, three years. And I I would say it's more. I would say it's more. I mean, I, you know, these State Farm commercials pay that kind of money. Uh any kind of commercial is going to pay at least seven figures for a national campaign to a superstar like that. It makes sense. I mean, that's that makes total sense to me. I have no issue about Aaron Rodgers making a million dollars from Pat McAfee. They're huge brands. Aaron has added uh, a lot to the McAfee brand, and McAfee has brought uh, Aaron into so many homes that wouldn't have been through just doing ESPN or doing Fox or doing whatever. Cause as I know from my appearances on McAfee, it brings in a whole new audience. You know, I get a ton of new followers, especially in a low in a younger demo when I'm on McAfee. So he has that kind of bump, that kind of, uh, impact. He's a phenom. And, uh, you know, whatever he's making from ESPN, 10, you know, 15, $17 million, getting a uh, million dollars towards Aaron, who's on a weekly deal, it seems, on Tuesdays. Yeah. No, no issue there. Okay. Again, I uh, hope you guys are doing well amid this crazy time in the Mideast. It's, uh, Again, you try to live your life, and I've tried to, you know, be a little more um, selective, you know, in social media and even saying things because it's a time of strife, um, especially as a Jewish person. I see it out there. Um, I hate to be trite, but just, you know, be nice. (laughs) It's hard sometimes. I get it. It's hard sometimes. We get triggered. We get upset. We think about shooting back. Um, and I don't mean that obviously literally, but be nice. And, you know, my words of wisdom on this time is just, um, you never know what else, what someone's going through, you know? And I heard, you know, when I flip off someone or get out on a highway and road rage, whatever, you just never know what the person in front of you has gone through or the person who intercepted you or pulled out in front of you. It's just, have a little grace. Um, it's important. Okay, I have more thoughts like this. They'll be in the newsletter this week. If you're not getting it, please do. Andrew-Brandt.com is where you sign up. Sports Business League, I go into this on videos. We have a weekly meeting. We had one last night. Go to sportsbusinessleague.com. Of course, Reels at Andrew Brandt 2 on Instagram, Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Give us a rating and a... And a um, comments if you would on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i really do appreciate that share this with a friend we try to be unique here i make it the only podcast this way in this format of me just sort of going through the topics with my insights perspective and commentary as hopefully a thought leader in the space is something that's seemed to have a good response and i'll keep doing it if you want to give feedback on the show uh 
andrew at andrew-brandt.com. And of course, if you want to support the program, I try to do this without ads, uh, andrew-brandt-20 on Venmo. I think that's everything. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks to Jack Connell. Thanks to Sam Brandt. My musical producer, thanks to our sponsor, DraftKings. Thanks to you for listening. I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.